Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Friday, June 21st, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 320 featuring Mass Live's Tom Westerholm is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat and use the promo code CLNS50 and get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Today's show also brought to you in part by Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics to get your first refill pack for free. All right, NBA draft is behind us. Free agency is upon us. And the whole process has made me sleep-deprived, dizzy, and spending way too much time in front of a screen. But, you know, we're still here for you for some reason. We love all this stuff. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Celtics Beat. Tons to cover. First, though, what you need to know since the last show last Sunday, okay? Because there has been a lot. For starters... Anthony Davis was traded to the Lakers right before the show released. That was a real kick in the nards. Really enjoyed that. But even still, I never thought Davis was coming to Boston. I've touched on that so much. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. We'll mix a little bit in later on in the show. Kyrie Irving's situation, that is incredibly fluid. In fact, the Nets reportedly are not sold on signing him as a solo act, meaning no Kevin Durant. Maybe no Kyrie in Brooklyn, and then maybe the grass isn't necessarily greener elsewhere. Another thing that we'll expand upon. Al Horford opted out of his $30 million player option with the Celtics, and everyone expected that to happen. It's just the curveball after that that was not quite anticipated. It's not to sign a longer deal in in Boston, reportedly, at least not yet. The reports indicate that he is as good as gone, chasing a ring elsewhere or maybe a four-year deal elsewhere in excess of $100 million. You can just, these are, everything comes out fast and furious this time of year. We come to expect it. And the Seas fans are just devastated to the com- comparison of, of celebratory tweets anytime a report about Kyrie Irving re- leaving services. It's, I mean, one reaction versus another, uh, another totally polar opposites. And Aaron Baines, he opted in. Of course, we knew that, but then he was traded to the Suns in a cap-clearing move draft night to free up a max slot. And if Boston does renounce everyone, including Terry Rozier, Celts right now would have almost $35 million to spend, which is way more going back to during last season when we talked about this time of year than we ever in a million years would have anticipated. They were supposed to be capped out with everybody coming back and no space. So there's a lot. And as for the picks, which... Just last night, Boston entered the draft with four choices and used four choices, just not the same four. With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford from Indiana University. Romeo Langford with a step-back jumper. Here's Langford getting to the 10 and rolling it in. Langford tries to counter and does with a tough finish. Indiana's Romeo Langford at 14. That got Marcus Smart very excited. The, those two share an agent. Celtics dealt 20 to the Sixers for 24 and 33. They used 22 on Tennessee forward Grant Williams, then shipped 24. That was tied to Rome and Baines for a top seven Bucks pick in 2020 that Phoenix had previously possessed. At 33, Seas took guard Carson Edwards out of Purdue. He's kind of Isaiah Thomas-like in that he's just, you know, a littler guy and and can score in bunches. And then at 51, Tremont Waters out of Louisiana State. So more on all this on the way, but that is a lengthy overview. I think everything is there. Tom Westerholm is here from Mass Live to help us out and also keep me in check. Did I miss anything? I mean, you know, you mentioned at the outset uh, how little sleep we're all running on. If you missed anything, I you, you didn't would catch not it. Be the guy to uh, come up with it, yeah. No. <laughs> so I think uh, I think you got it all. 
You know, I, I know there there may be, and this would be a very small minority of people, it would be like the angry Twitter people, but there might be some people out there that, that saw that Rick Pitino turned down an executive and coaching <laughs> offer to return to Greece. He's looking for another chance in the NBA, be it as a, a coach, a GM, an exec. Hey, bring him back to Boston, get rid of Ainge, get rid of Brad, just, you know, bur- <laughs> like burn the whole thing to the ground and start over. I don't think we want to do that, though, so let's start simple. What were your main takeaways from draft night? Well, you know, it's funny kind of seeing the reaction to, uh, you know, everything that happened. I watched a lot of film on a lot of these guys, and I actually thought the Celtics had a great draft. Um, you know, Grant, especially, I think that the, the best pick they made was Grant Williams at 22. Um, not that he's going to be the best player, but I think just the most, he, he is so much value for them there. He's going to be a really versatile defender. Um, you know, I think he's going to be able to be a versatile offensive player, too. He's a really, really good passer. I think he's going to be able to space to the three-point line eventually. And I, you know, I want, Romeo Langford was one of the guys that I kind of expected to see the Celtics, you know, take a hard look at. You know, he's kind of fits a lot of their molds. He's a, a guy who was really highly recruited coming out of high school, uh, you know, top five guy in his recruiting class, super long, um, dealt with a thumb injury all year that I think limited his shooting a bit. And obviously he still does need to work on his shooting some too, but you know, all things considered, with those two guys and then picking up Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters in the second round, that's that's a really good night. And in addition to all that, Ainge, you know, managed to uh, kind of leverage Philly's interest in Matisse Tybal and pick up that extra first. So, all in all, I mean, after a, after a few disastrous days of just, like, free agency news that could not have possibly gone worse for this team, you know, I thought it was a, a kind of a positive step for the Celtics, um, just the, the guys they got, just the assets that they managed to acquire in the process. You should know, by the way, the reason I enjoy having you on the show always, but the reason specifically that you are here today after this show is because, you know, I read your stuff. I know you pay way more attention to all these college kids than I do. So rather than me blabbering on about, you know, like you're the one that's actually watching a lot of tape and dissecting these guys, I, I will say too, if any, you know, for anyone that, that, follows along on Twitter and and bless you guys that are crazy enough to do so. I had sent out a tweet during the draft that a so a buddy of mine, diehard Celtics fan, Seth, is he sends me this the day before the draft. He said one night to go and I want Ty Jerome, Matisse Thibel, and Goga. Those are the guys. <laughs> and the Celtics end up drafting two of them and trading both of them effectively. <laughs> Like, just, like, couldn't couldn't have trolled him harder. And the the amount of just miserable text that I was getting throughout that draft, he was so pissed off. And uh, so, I, I mean, at least I bring that up because at least some of the guys that you expected and wanted, you know, they came through for you. So it worked out for you. I mean, yeah. Well, and, and listen, your your buddy doesn't have bad taste. I mean, those those three are all good players. Like Goga was was another guy who I, I really thought the Celtics. I think they probably did take a hard look at him. I'm, you know, just guessing. But I mean, he's he would he's a, such a good pick and roll option, and obviously Tybal is such a you know such a good defender. He's you know was one of the best defenders in college basketball last year. So, I mean, those were all you know those were all good options. I, I honestly thought in this draft, it, it really flattened out after kind of the top four. Um, mm. I, I was really high on Darius Darius Darlins, um, but obviously he went number five. I felt like it, after those guys, it really sort of flattened out to the point where I didn't feel like there was a ton of value between, like, picks 6 and 10. But I did feel like there was good role player and maybe a little bit more potential, you know, basically for the rest of the draft. Like, you know, all the way into the second round, I, I think Carson Edwards is a, is a very reasonable role player. Um, so it was, it was a very strange draft that way where I didn't feel like there was, like, a ton of star power. Um, you know, there's probably some guys in the, in the later first round who will develop into, you know, something close to that. It's always difficult to predict that for sure. sure. But I mean, this, this draft, I, I think that honestly, by kind of trading back and, and picking up more picks, Ainge did kind of gamble on this is a draft where we can pick up a lot of guys where the Celtics can have a bunch of players who can contribute for a while and in who might be able to contribute right away. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a deep draft in kind of a weird way and in sort of a roundabout way um, that I think is going to be really interesting to watch next season. Well, and inevitably, and it won't be next year, and it may not be in Boston, unfortunately, if that you know proves to, to be the case years from now. But like there, we talk about Kawhi. We talk about Giannis. There, there are guys, like there's, you know, there's going to be a guy that went 
I don't know, 17 in this draft, there's going to be a star in this league. Like, that's just the way it always is. It's flyers when you right. start to get into mid-round guys. So it's it's all a crapshoot, obviously. But there were reports, you know, with the Celtics at 14, that they tried to trade up to number four to take the guy that you mentioned, Vanderbilt point guard Darius Garland, who, as you said, went five. And, and David Griffin's out there wheeling and dealing and, and then ended up sending four elsewhere. Where to go? The Hawks, I think, if I remember right. So that, yeah, you know, that winds up moving. Didn't work out. Mike Conley moves from Memphis to Utah. So if those dreams of Conley to Boston were ever remotely realistic, which I don't really think they were, those things died in a hurry. No real smoke on the Celts dealing for an established star mid-draft, which was another thing that Gary Washburn had put out, you know, trying to trade for that veteran established guy. Obviously, everybody, like I said, is is a bit of a gamble. I know you like the picks on the whole. It's no real surprise that, uh, you know, what one of my real – takeaways and I think it probably should have been everybody's is that you know with with Jason Tatum with Jalen Brown Marcus Smart a few of the more recent high round picks that the Celtics took Danny Ainge once again and let's hear from him here he prioritized character very good guys I mean that played a big part into why we selected them and who they are not just what they're capable of doing on the court very excited about them and their personalities and their character and uh, think that they have the will to become great all right, but will they? Okay, I mean, let's let's start with the uh, the the self said real smooth Romeo Lankford. Okay, he's he's low key, not an outwardly emotional kid in terms of just some of the facts. Second team All Big Ten for the Hoosiers as a freshman, averaged almost 17 points despite playing with a torn ligament and that thumb in his shooting hand. Has since surgically been repaired. He started shooting. He should be ready for summer league. He was a terrible shooter in college, granted just the one year, 27% from distance. But he does think, and, and he might be right, the injury played a role. That did affect it in a lot of ways. Um, but really, I'm just going to, that's the main thing I'm focusing on once I get back get back from this surgery. Um, being able to shoot and stuff is really focusing on my jump shot because I feel like that will open up my game and be a big asset to helping the team win games. So are you buying into that as well? Is he a better shooter than the stats show? You know, he's a better shooter than the stats show, but he, I mean, that is sort of his problem area is, is that shot. You know, I, I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that he'll, you know, have, a, have a, a much improved season just from having a fixed thumb, but I wouldn't expect him to come out just like blazing, shooting 40% from three just because his thumb is fixed. Like this is something that has been a little bit of an issue um, and, you know, it, it, it's going to be something that he really has to work on, but the Celtics have had some success with developing guys, you know, into shooters. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen obviously, you know, turned himself into a, a very reasonable spot-up guy. And basically a spot-up three is all Langford needs to be a pretty effective player um, offensively. You know, he can he, – he does get to the rim really well. He gets to the free throw line really well, um, which I – you know, Danny talked about a little bit. And he, you know, said that that wasn't necessarily the reason that they, that they drafted him. But I'm sure it's a nice plus given all the struggles they had getting to the line last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think all things considered, I mean, I think he's probably going to struggle um, from three in his you know, first couple of seasons. But I think that as he develops that, um, you know, that's that's one of the things that's one of the one of the reasons why the Celtics look at some of these guys who have versatility, um, but who maybe can't shoot. You know, you can develop a shot. And I think with Langford, the combination of being healthy and also, you know, having all this uh, all this development all this attention on him. They're going to give him a lot of, you know, a lot of time, a lot of attention as a lottery pick and as a guy with, with his kind of potential. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, I, I think there's a good, there's good reason to be hopeful that he can, you know, get himself into like the, the mid thirties, maybe like 37, 38. Um, you know, if you're, if you're being optimistic. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's going to be a process and I don't think the surgery itself is just going to fix it right away. And that's pretty close to where Marcus Smart lived last year from three point range. It took a few years as, yeah. as we know, I, I was you know one of the holdouts that, that believed like he's going to be able to shoot. I just, I can see it. I think he's going to be able to shoot and, and, you know, we'll find out in time if last year was a fluke or not, but I, I don't think it was. I think he's, he's found something and will continue to improve and, you know, who knows? Maybe my my grand proclamation from two years ago that he can be Kyle Lowry one day will come true. But uh, you know, I won't uh, I, w- I won't well, get and, you know overly optimistic about that. Well, and you know, I, you don't have to get overly optimistic. But Brad Stevens agrees with you. You know, he was he said all year like he expected Marcus to be a better shooter last year, but then obviously there was the hand injury and then just a bunch of other stuff that went on with him. So I mean, 
yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I think that was a reasonable guess at the time, and I think that you have some uh, good company in uh, in thinking that. Yeah, I, I think that Brad and I, we, we tend to be on the same page. You know, it's, you know I, <laughs> I, I don't think he's a big fan of Kyrie Irving on the Celtics either. But <laughs> Grant, Grant Williams, though, let's talk about him. As as you said, you know, your your favorite pick among the crew, and and I can understand why. Even even without watching him on the floor, I can understand why. He just seems like a really great dude. I enjoy listening to him. But second first round pick for this team. He's a bright kid, high basketball IQ, high intellect in general. He uh, chose Tennessee over Harvard and Yale, which I didn't realize until I read that. I thought that was really interesting. His mom, for people who don't know, is an engineer at NASA, which actually led to a, a great moment with Sham Sharania at Stadium a couple of months ago. You know, there have been different theories. You know, people have controversially said stuff. Kyrie Irving said the Earth is flat. There have been different <laughs> things going on in outer space. That's Do you have wrong. a conspiracy theory? Do you have a... A, 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 a smart theory based on what you already know. Well, with my mom, I don't really think of theories, so uh, I kind of know for sure what's what's what. So it's kind of nice to have that mindset, but I just can't really share it. What's what's the big thing that that you can debunk if, if there is anything that you hear a lot, you hear people say a lot, but you're like that's you know that's scientifically not true. The Kyrie's Earth is flat theory is just scientifically not true, <laughs> but uh, that's the one thing I can debunk if we're being pretty honest, because. That's just it's just not true at all. I want them to share a locker room so badly now. Just <laughs> Grant Williams with his that Kyrie Irving is a freaking idiot moment from a couple of months ago, which was great. So obviously Kyrie's definitely leaving now. He, if he wasn't before, he definitely is. But uh, you know Williams, he he can play. First team All American as a junior, two time SEC Player of the Year, nineteen points a game, led the conference. Good shooter. He's Everyone was talking about this when he was drafted. Strong as an ox. He's, you know, Shemi Ojale-like in that way. And Brad Stevens absolutely raved about him. So how's he fit in, though? Just beyond all the, the things that I mentioned, actually putting him out there on the floor with this team and this mix, this roster, how's he fit in? I think he's going to be a great fit. You know, he talked a little bit about um, – asked him about his versatility. And, uh, you know, he, the first guy he mentioned was Al Horford. Um, and, you know, I think – when you look at the way that he's going to be able to pass, and I think he's going to be able to space the floor, I think there's going to actually be a lot of similarities there, you know, just in the way that he can. Um, and the other thing that he really does well is screen that not a lot of people aren't necessarily talking about is like these, the, the screens that Al Horford sets, you know, that really free guys up and, you know, they're kind of quasi legal. Um, you know, Williams can kind of do a similar thing. Like he's, he's so big, he's so strong. If you run into him or if he makes contact with you, you're going to feel it. It's going to knock you out of, you know, sort of out of your, uh, out of your motion. And um, I think that stuff is going to really play a big role. I, I would not be surprised at all if he, again, similar to Al is sort of a guy where, you know, he, he isn't going to put up, he, he's definitely not going to put up like 25 points and 13 rebounds, but he might have just like a great plus minus because when he was on the floor, he kind of made everything run around him. He defended really well. he, you know, set all the good screens that got, that pops guys open for threes. Um, just, you know, a very much a little things type of guy, um, which does kind of play into his, you know, this, this high basketball IQ that he has. Like he understands what he needs to do on the floor to help the team be successful. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was funny that last night, you know, he was talking about um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And one, I thought it was funny that he called them vets, um, <laughs> which, you know, compared it, to him, I guess, right. About, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but if Terry Rozier doesn't come back, those two are going to be the second and third longest tenured Celtics. That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but it, it was funny to hear him say that, but it was also funny to hear him say, you know, he wants to be able to be the defender who stops everything and sort of takes the load off of Jalen and Tatum so that those guys can go get buckets. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that's having that type of mentality. He's only 20 years old. I mean, he's, he sounds – he's so smart. He sounds just, like, way ahead of his time. He was a junior at Tennessee, but, you know, he's, he's a 20-year-old, and, and, he, and he's, you know, talking in his opening press conference about how he wants to make it easier for, you know, the guys that he kind of sees as the Celtic stars. I think that's really promising just from a mentality perspective, you know, that, that he's going to come in. I think he's going to be a great locker room guy. And, I mean, <laughs> like you had mentioned, all of us in the media are going to have a great time talking to him because he's incredibly personable, you know, just very – 
thoughtful, and uh, that that type of guy is uh, very popular among us in the media. But does this mean now that we're going to have to see that, you know, R. Williams and G. Williams jerseys out there on the floor, <laughs> or, or can we just, like, petition for Roberts to be changed to Time Lord at this point? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think Celtics fans would be super into it. Uh, <laughs> they I would think, sell I so think, many. <laughs> I think Rob is still uh, – is still kind of uh, hesitant on the uh, the Time Lord thing. I think he's uh, well, but doesn't he also hate? Doesn't he also hate being called Rob? Isn't that a thing? Well, he hates being called uh, Bob. He won't, okay, you can't call him Bob. You you can call him Robert, or you can call him Rob. Okay. And uh, his, it, it, when it, when I talked to him about Time Lord earlier in the season, he said, "Yeah, I don't think it's going to catch on unless my coaches start calling that calling me that." Um, and then later in the season, I I heard uh, a couple of his coaches calling him that. So. <laughs> Uh, he might be he might be stuck with it. Uh, yeah, that that but, poor yeah, bastard uh, underestimated Celtics Twitter. <laughs> he really did. He <laughs> underestimated the rips, man. But it, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I can't imagine how much uh, how much money the Celtics would make by having a Time Lord forty four jersey. Quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. NBA season's over, sure, but it doesn't mean you can't go out and still make some cash on basketball. You can already bet on who's going to win the title in twenty twenty. Lakers plus 350, which I think is ridiculous. Again, need more talent on that team. Fill out the roster. Just the two-headed monster of two guys that, at least over the last year, have trouble staying healthy. I'm not sure that's who I would bank on. You can do it. Celtics are plus 1,200, which probably seems like a silly bet. But then again, maybe Danny Ainge goes out and makes a splash, as we've talked about, and sets you up to make a whole boatload of money down the road. You can also make custom player bets during games. You can pick a player, a stat, betonline.ag will give you a line for it. Just one of the great things that betonline.ag offers you. So make sure you go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Get a 50% bonus when you sign up and use the promo code CLNS50. Don't be left on the sideline with all this excitement going on on the court. Plus, you can play in BetOnline's virtual casino. Make some money there, too. Plus, you always have futures bets to play. MLB season, that's in full swing. NFL futures are already out. A lot going on in the sporting world. Whatever you do, make sure you use betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Or just go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Let's get back to Tom. All right, well, so second round, and we won't spend as long on these guys, but Carson Edwards, 24 games as a junior at Purdue. He was player of the year finalist, couple 40-point games in the NCAA tournament, almost single-handedly uh, you know, knocked out a team in, I don't remember which round it was. You can expand on that. But he shoots well. He's Is he ready, though, to contribute offensively off the bench at this level if the team is, in fact, thin at guard as, as it is right now? Or is he someone that you think is more realistically ticketed for Maine? Yeah, no, I think that's actually kind of the perfect role for him is just kind of coming off the bench and being sort of a microwave guy who, you know, spaces the floor, hits some threes. With him, you really want to have him next to like a Marcus Smart or a Gordon Hayward, um, somebody who can facilitate a little bit more because he's not necessarily that type of point guard. He's he's sort of an undersized, you know, qu- quite undersized shooting guard. Um, so if you can put him next to next to Smart and just tell him, listen, go score some points. You know, Marcus will handle getting everybody else involved, and you know, or Gordon will handle bringing the ball up, you know, and, and, and sort of jump starting everything. Um, you know, I, I do think that that is kind of his perfect role um in that way he wouldn't have necessarily been my pick at 33 uh, obviously you know danny and dave lewin and mike there and these guys are all very smart and i'm sure they had all these conversations i think there were a couple of other um options who, who might have made a little bit more um i don't know if i want to say more sense because edwards is kind of a did, did kind of fill a, a need there in terms of a a guy who can score as a lead guard but um, he is he is going to score and he's and he's going to hit threes and he's probably going to to get to the free throw line and get to the rim a little bit. You know we've seen obviously people are going to want to make the it comparisons and you know I, that's that's a tough comparison to, to live up to for a rookie. But um, you know Brad is really good at utilizing scoring lead ball handlers who you know they come off these these pin down screens in the corner they you know come around these dribble handoffs. Brad Brad really knows how to utilize guys like Edwards and I think. We're going to see that. Um, I, I think that Edwards is going to – I think he's going to be a really nice piece off the bench for the Celtics, and you know, I think Brad is going to enjoy having him in his system. Who did you want at 33 then, if not him? Well, there, so there were, there were a few guys that were still on the board. I, 
I, I've, I've been very high on a guy who wasn't even drafted. Uh, Louis King out of Oregon is a guy so, that so I So there's I still think a is, chance. <laughs> uh, I think I, I can't even remember with all the stuff that happened immediately after the draft. I think somebody picked him up oh, okay. on a, uh, on an undrafted deal, but um, he, he was a guy that I, I would have taken a, a hard look at, you know, six foot nine, um, like just a wing who can handle the ball and shoot and um, really score in a lot of different ways. Uh, he, he was an intriguing guy. Um, honestly, at this point, it's hard to remember everybody who was on and off the board at that point. Um, Edwards was a little bit lower on mine because I don't think he has a ton of uh, defensive potential. Um, but, you know, that wasn't necessarily what they were going for with him. They were going for that offense, and I can definitely understand that mentality as well. I'll tell you one guy who was still on the board because it's who I wanted, and that's Bull Bull. I just I wanted I wanted the chance I wanted the flyer I mean the guy who knows he, like he could could have been or could be another Fab Mello may he rest in peace by the way or maybe he could be like Minute we again we don't know but I I just I'm I'm enamored with uh, you know adding a guy of that stature to the team I I was really intrigued by that I was hoping that you know once he obviously the Celtics passed on him at 33 hey maybe he'll be there at 51 I think he went 44 or something <laughs> like that yeah I mean he, he hung around for a little while hell he was, wasn't he the only guy that was still left in the green room for like after the first round basically yeah I mean poor guy was, I think Nick I think Nick Claxton was around at 31 so you know he didn't have to hang around for very long but yeah I mean it was yeah, I that that's one of my one of my least favorite things about draft night is seeing those poor guys who you know thought they were going to get picked in the first round and then you know stuff happens. I am very very low on Bull Bull. Um, I, I think that he's going to really really struggle defensively in the NBA, and and you better have if you're if you're going to have him on your team, you better have like a perfect type of like power forward around him who can protect the rim and who can switch everything. Um, he's he's so frail. Um, just his build is really, really, really skinny. Um, and I think guards are going to be able to go right through him. I think bigs are going to be able to go right through him. Um, there, there's a lot of issues, and, and, and reportedly there were a lot of medical questions about him mm. as well. Um, well, guy that you know. size. <laughs> yeah, not, exactly. Not real, you know, exactly. knee problems, foot problems, who knows what else. Mm-hmm. Back problems, exactly. like all that stuff. Inevitable. <laughs> the, so, know, Oh, go and, ahead. And, I mean, and he, and he does have, you know, all these intriguing – obviously he can shoot the ball, you know, really, really well. He's, he's, he's very fluid, very mobile for a guy that size. Um, you don't see that very often. But I just think when your center is going to be that much of a defensive liability and, you know, offensively he's, he's so raw, you really need a guy like that who really, really wants to be great, really wants to be an all-star. And then there's questions that, about kind of his desire and, and, and how much he actually likes the game, which – you know, can be a little bit overrated, but I think in tandem with all the other stuff is kind of concerning. So I know there was like a, I mean, people were clamoring for Bull Bull with the, with the number 14 pick. And right. I always thought that was a pretty major reach, but I personally, I wasn't too surprised to see him slide, but uh, you know, <laughs> he would have, uh, I, I think he's going to struggle a little bit at the next level. Let's put it that way. So readily admitting that it's June 21st right now free agency hasn't even started yet so much can happen in regard to signings trades whatever but there were a ton of reports and just common logic that said Celtics don't want to have three rookies on the roster next year and as we talk right now sounds like three rookies on the roster next year I mean I don't think Tremont Waters is going to be there he's going to be in the G League and we don't even really need to talk about him he was picked at 51 no disrespect to Mr. Waters, but the other three project, I would think, to be on the team. So is do we have an indication of, of what the Celtics plan is after draft night? You know, did did we gain any clarity from last night and listening to Danny Ainge and, and Wick Grosbeck and Brad Stevens and I'll give some sound from some of those guys in a little bit, or is everything just still so fluid that it's just, hey, this is where we are today? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was funny. I, I thought Danny actually kind of accidentally said a couple of things that, or maybe not accidentally, maybe maybe very intentionally, I don't know. But I think he did actually kind of give a couple of hints. Like, for instance, when he said, you know, uh, we've always, uh, when, when guys leave, there's always opportunities for other guys. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty clearly, you know, all right, well, uh, this is Jason's team now. <laughs> right. But, I, and, and I thought, you know, obviously he couldn't talk about much. I always kind of wondered about that. The Celtics don't want to have three rookies on the team thing. I mean, it was, it was the kind of leak that almost makes me wonder if, you know, 
Danny is trying to get something out there. Um, you know, and obviously, um, you know, before the draft, there's all kinds of smoke all the time. Um, you really have to try to parse through everything. I, I did kind of wonder if, you know, maybe, you know, it, it, the Celtics trying to package to move up. You know, they obviously they liked some of their guys, some of the guys late in the draft because they picked up an extra pick in the second round, which ended up being Carson Edwards. Um, so, you know, I would expect these guys to end up on the roster. I don't think that these guys are getting traded, um, at least not immediately. Um, I, I think that this is going to be a, a young team. Uh, obviously, we saw Baines get shipped out last night. Um, I think that they're kind of going all in, or at least you know semi all in on on the youth, and uh, you know kind of seeing what they have, um, seeing what they can fit around Tatum and Brown, and um, you know I, I think that they'll try to bring in free agents that still make them competitive. I don't think that they're going to try to tank and you know get James Wiseman next year in 2020 or anything like that. But I do think that they are willing to, you know, sort of give the reins to some young guys, see what they can build, see what, what, what they have and uh, kind of go from there. I, I think that, um, you know, having three picks, using three picks the way they did, that, that kind of puts them in a position to, uh, it kind of puts them in a position to just take a look, zero in. How do these guys fit around Tatum? What does Tatum need? What should we go out and get for Tatum, you know, in the next year or two and uh, kind of go from there because, you know, this is this still could be a good team, but it, obviously it's not going to be a contender in the near future. Well, beyond the new kids, there is a lot of uncertainty as we just started to outline anyway. And here's owner Wick Grossbeck. He knows that. Building or retooling. Oh, listen, you're starting with a core of Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Yeah. Start with that and then add in the rest of the roster, not to slight anybody, and then restricted rights on Terry and possibilities with our free agents. You know, I, I got to tell you, it's a good time to be trying to retool like this. But on the other hand, the season ended on a down note. I have no confusion about that. We won five and then lost four. Not satisfactory. Um, but here we are. We're trying to keep moving forward. Grossbeck chatted with NBC Sports Boston. Now, Jackie McMullen had brought up not long ago just the fact that everything basically that could have gone wrong since the Kyrie Irving trade has. He and Gordon Hayward got hurt 515 into their first year. Hayward goes down for the year. Irving eventually went down about three quarters of the way through. Irving the following year destroys team chemistry. The, you know, the the kids, if you will, the egos get too big from the deep playoff run without the stars. Hayward in year two never really finds the consistency or, or confidence he needed to be himself again. And, and hopefully we see it this coming year. Horford, we talked about it. He may be gone. The Kings pick landed at 14, which is why the Celtics were there last night and not number two in a perfect world. Davis goes to L.A. It's basically a, a 30 for 30 in, in all the worst possible ways. And I kind of hope someday somebody makes it. But I'm also not sure that the era is over. And I, I don't think that's me just hanging on to an old take. You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of logic that could be found within that the two biggest dominoes are still Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and it's not the odds on favorite situation for a wide variety of reasons but I don't personally believe that the door is closed on those two returning if some of the other stuff that has been out there is true like as I said earlier the Nets not being sold on on Irving as a solo act now maybe that just means he goes to the Lakers as a third wheel maybe it means he goes to the Knicks and he's still closer to home and and Boston is fourth on that list maybe Boston's not even on that list I don't know Horford maybe the four-year deal isn't actually out there maybe the hundred million dollar deal is not actually out there maybe like I said earlier the grass is not greener for those two guys especially when you you listen to you know a Sherrod had a report that Horford could follow Kyrie to Brooklyn well where in the hell is the motivation in doing that, especially if Irving was so bad to be around? And Irving going to Brooklyn by himself, that's not a better situation than Boston, aside from, again, proximity to where he grew up. So I'll say it again. I don't think the door is closed on those two. Do you? It's a good question, um, especially like you mentioned, in, in light of uh, in light of Brooklyn potentially not wanting just Kyrie. Um, I, I do kind of wonder, you know, the Celtics did kind of make, I don't, I don't want to call them teardown moves. They're not teardown moves. They made moves that they would make if those guys were gone. Uh, I think trading Baines uh, sure. for, you know, not much. That's a, that's a, I think these guys are gone type of move. Um, I think that like, like we were talking about, I think drafting three rookies that it looks like are all going to be on the roster next year. 
Um, you know, obviously they can they can still try to find a trade. They can still try to find something to you know to build around differently if you know Irving and, and Horford did decide to stick around. But you know, I think I do think that Horford is going to get something big that will be difficult for the Celtics to match, um, especially if Kawhi ends up in. in uh, with the Clippers. I mean, he, he and Kawhi would just be such a perfect combo and mm. the Clippers have the money to make it work. Um, and then I think I, I just have a hard time seeing Kyrie come back. I think that there is a lot of bad blood. Um, it certainly feels that way. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it, it doesn't really feel like things ended on the right note. It feels like there's been some, you know, just even if you just kind of go through the social media, it feels like there's been a little bit of sniping. Like I, I can't tell if Jalen the other day with his post about, you know, he'd rather walk than ride with bad company. Like, right. you can't, like, it could be anything. It could be completely separate from that. But, I mean, the timing certainly felt like, you know, something. Um, you know, Marcus Smart saying that he uh, would, that he would, I don't remember who tweeted it out, but he quote tweeted somebody saying that he should start by saying, you know, essentially that he agrees. Yeah, that was um, a Keith Smith tweet. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think they're both gone. Um, I, I, you know, I have a hard time. I, I, I can see the rationale why, like, why, let's put it this way. I can see the rationale why Kyrie should want to come back. But just Kyrie being Kyrie, I don't think he will. I, I think that he is sort of, you know, obviously he changes his mind some, but I don't know that he's going to change his mind on Boston. I think he's kind of fed up, and uh, I think he wants something new. And, you know, we'll see if that new thing is a better situation. Um, like you said, Brooklyn, by, with, by himself, Brooklyn is not a better situation. Um, Celtics still have a ton of talent on this team. Um, but I, I think that he's gone. I think that he's sort of made up his mind about that, um, you know, just from just from all the reports and from all the smoke that's been around him recently. And, uh, you know, Horford, you know, I think he wants to try to win a championship, and you can't blame him. Like, he's no. 33. Um, you know, he, he did everything he could here, and, and, you know, for all the reasons that you outlined, like everything just kind of went wrong. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that this team is going to be a championship contender next year. I think they'll be pretty good. But Horford, I think, could be excused for wanting to play not only for a championship team or, you know, if the Dallas Mavericks are going to offer him $100 million, he has to take that. Like, there's just no question about it. So, personally, I think both those guys are gone. Um, but, you know, I, I, these next 10 days are going to be crazy. A lot of stuff can happen, and you certainly don't want to make any pronouncements that you can't take back. So, yeah, I, you can see just about anything happening, but personally – I would expect uh, I would expect the Celtics to be working with a very new roster next year. Yeah, that in and of itself, by the way, is why this show is coming out on an unusual Friday as opposed to the normal <laughs> Sundays because I didn't want to record now, release it on Sunday, and who the hell knows what happens in the 48 hours in between. We ran into that last week with the stupid <laughs> Anthony Davis trade. But, you know, the one bit of clarity at least Ainge gave us in talking with NBC Sports Boston, there were those reports, conflicting reports, about whether it, Irving had been actually ghosting the Celtics or whether he was regularly in touch. And this is what Ainge had to say. Kyrie's been good. He's been, he's returned calls. He's returned uh, messages. He's been, he's been excellent. You know, Kyrie has always been respectful with me. He, our one-on-one relationship has been good. And he's been open and honest with me from, from day one. So I have no issues at all with Kyrie. So Irving's been in Japan based on his Instagram. He's been working on this documentary back home. He is starting with the new agent soon, Rock Nation. Now, we don't know if he even knows definitively what he wants right now because, again, and, and I, we've all said it for months, like it's impossible to get in this, inside this dude's head in any way, shape, or form. But there were the reports, and you alluded to this, about how poorly he got along with some of the younger guys in the room last year. Chris Mannix did a radio interview recently, said his relationship with Jalen Brown was the worst, and maybe that speaks to Brown's Instagram post that you referenced, if Irving did return, and again, long shot anyway, but entertaining it for a second, does that mean that Brown is on the trade block? Like, basically, would would Ainge be having to choose between those two guys based on how bad it, it reportedly was last year? I don't know that it would be necessarily Jalen on the trading block because those two don't get along. I think that Jalen would probably be on the trading block because the Celtics would need a different look. Like, I just think we saw what happened last year. And obviously there were extenuating circumstances. Maybe Gordon Hayward is back, you know, to 90% of himself, 95% of himself. And, and if he is, you know, the Celtics were great when he was good last year. So, so maybe that just fixes everything. Um, but I, I just kind of think that if Kyrie did come back, yeah. I mean, I think 
trading Jalen for like a, a piece that fits a little bit better around Kyrie, maybe maybe like a more veteran presence, you know, something like that. I, I think that would make the most sense um, just for everybody involved, you know, for for Jalen, who is, you know, going to be doing a new contract soon and who would probably like an opportunity to shine a little bit more. And, you know, if, for, for Kyrie, who if he came back, presumably would be hoping to play for a contender. And, I mean, let, you can get something really, really good for Jalen Brown. He's a, he's a great young prospect. He's, he's going to be a – you know, he's going to be a really, really nice player for somebody, and I think a lot of people highly value him. So, um, yeah, I, I would. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's. I think that I don't. I don't know for sure. I, I don't know that their issues are are so bad that they you know can't even be in the same room together or anything like that. I mean, they always they always seemed pretty friendly in the locker room together. Um, you know, you never really like you you would definitely see the two of them joking around every once in a while. Um, so, but I but I just I just think like from a basketball fit perspective, it would make a lot of sense to. Uh, you know, if Kyrie came back to, to at least, you know, test the waters, see what you might be able to get for, you know, a really good young player like Jalen Brown. If the seemingly inevitable comes true and that's Irving's gone, is Terry Rozier the favorite to be back? Or do you think that there's the Bradley Beal pursuit? People talk about D'Angelo Russell, provided Kyrie goes to Brooklyn, he would seemingly be out uh, and then available. And I know he had the Instagram post about uh, his guy Langford there. Uh, Drew Holiday is a name that's just sort of floated around or maybe another veteran guard or are any of those secondary options, not secondary in talent, but secondary as in I mentioned them after, are those guys priorities over Rozier or is Rozier the favorite? That's it's, it's like the million dollar question at this point. I think, I think you have to say that Rozier is probably the favorite if only because, you know, he is a restricted free agent and, you know, if the Celtics sort of project that they, do plan to match. I mean, I think they can get him for a really good deal. Um, and I think, you know, my Mass Live, you know, co-beat writer, John Corrales, had, had a good point uh, the other day that, um, you know, you can also, you know, go to Terry and say, listen, you know, we'll sign you for, you know, we'll offer you two years, you know, call it 30 million, call it, you know, whatever you want. Just a, one of those, you know, one plus one deals that pays you really, really well um, in the short term. That that would that might be attractive for Terry, who would then have an opportunity to start to you know maybe lock in some more money long term. Um, you know he'd be able to potentially opt out, and it would also give the Celtics a uh, you know a, a lot of salary to work with if they were trying to make a trade. You know, if you sign Terry to a to a fifteen million dollar a year deal, you know for a couple of years, maybe you can trade Terry and the Memphis pick for somebody really good who's on a higher salary. Where if you didn't have Terry, maybe you would have to include Marcus Smart. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think that would be an option with him. I, I think kind of those two things, um, that kind of confluence of factors might make him sort of the favorite. But, you know, I think they're going to look at a lot of stuff, though. I, I, I you know, it's certainly – there's been a lot of buzz on, you know, Celtics Twitter about D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how likely that is. Um, but I, I think they're going to look at a lot of things. I think if you were just, like, picking a favor right now or if you were betting on it, I think that Terry is probably the safest bet just because – almost like a convenience thing. Like mm. it's, you know, it kind of makes a lot of sense. It gives him an opportunity to shine that he's been really, you know, really wanting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I think that basically everything's on the table at this point. One more quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by Quip. I'm sure all of you are almost done with your spring cleaning considering summer is finally here. In fact, I think today's the first day of summer, but one thing that you need to work on all the time, every single month, you got to clean your mouth month. Really, I would do it every day. Month doesn't seem nearly often enough. And in two minutes, you can get the best clean ever just by signing up for Quip. Quip uses sensitive sonic vibrations to give you the best clean of your life. Most people brush too hard. I know I do. Electric toothbrushes, they can be abrasive. They can be aggressive. Just give your mouth the gentle clean it needs. Have it feel good. 90% of people don't brush for the full two minutes. Quip is designed to help you. Pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch it up. It's time to upgrade your game to the toothbrush backed by over 25,000 professionals. Get Quip today. Get your first refill on us. Just go to getquip.com slash Celtics. That is getquip.com slash Celtics. Let's get back to the show. Well, again, as we just sort of follow the tea leaves and assuming Horford is gone, now that Baines is out as well, Boston needs bigs. The starting center right now is Robert Williams, which is that's not going to happen. I, I love this exchange between Danny and Asherod Blakely. Well, we most of the players have been measured, and so we know how tall they are. And we will seek out the ones that are tall. 
that we have a need of. I mean, like, what do you mean, my approach? Specific skills that you're looking for as you go about looking for bigs that you would like to bring into the Yeah, okay. defend other bigs, rebound, pass, shoot. Yeah, I mean, all the things that big guys do on the basketball court. Like, there's a whole bunch of variety. Like, we, we have no clarity in, in who we're getting yet, right? We can't talk to free agents until July 1st. So we have a long list of bigs, and, and we'll make a priority list and go from there. One of my highlights of draft night was definitely just how many questions Danny Ainge felt were dumb. Like, why, <laughs> why are you asking me that right now? You know full well I can't and won't answer it. Nevertheless, question after question. They weren't even bad questions. It was just, I'm not touching no, these. No. I'm, I'm not going to touch them, and, and I don't know how you guys don't know that by now. But uh, it was, I mean, it was pretty funny. But anyway, like I said, they need a starting center. And we keep hearing about Nick Vucevic now. Woj has had that. Shams has has had that. Both of them right after the draft. Clint Capella has been mentioned, of course, going on weeks now. Steven Adams could be a short-term option that doesn't disrupt future cap space. You know, kind of on a two-year deal type situation. He's young. Uh, I know his body's kind of broken, but he is young. Um, I have personally... Since the day he was not drafted by the Celtics, fantasized about Julius Randle. What's realistic um, among that group, or maybe somebody else, and and who's a good fit? Well, I mean, you know, it, all the, you know, a lot of very reliable people are mentioning Vucevic, which, you know, I think uh, he's obviously an extremely talented player. Um, he had a great season last year, All Star season, uh, you know, twenty and twelve type of player. Um, you know, he, he's tortured the Celtics in the past, so you can mm. understand why uh, yeah, they, they went out and got Greg Monroe, who did the same thing. Um, so, I mean, you know, he, he's one option um, that you mentioned. I, the thing that I would, I would kind of keep an eye on, I wonder how much the Celtics are going to be willing to tie up um, future flexibility and how much, how much they want to go all in on the current core without sort of seeing what it is. Like, to me, it would make a lot of sense to kind of go into the season – Obviously, you know, as much as Robert Williams has a lot of promise, you know, obviously you would need to get a starting center somewhere. Um, But I do kind of wonder if it makes sense to, you know, give Vucevic like a a four-year max deal, you know, lock in all of that money when you don't necessarily know what Jalen and Tatum are going to need if if those are the guys that you're building around. Like you don't know for sure that what they need is a scoring big who, you know, struggles a little bit defensively but grabs a lot of rebounds. Like – Maybe they need, you know, a rim protector. Maybe they need some, you know, somebody who spaces the floor, you know, kind of exclusively. Like, you, you just don't know what is going to be a good fit around them. And if you go out and you give a guy a four-year deal, you're committing to four years of that guy. Basically, you're committing to that guy for as long as you are going to have, you know, sort of team control over Tatum and Jalen. So, you know, to me, it makes a little bit of sense to sort of see what you have. You know, maybe try to, if you need to swing something, maybe try to do something around the trade deadline, um, you know, and, and for the for the time being, just kind of get like a serviceable starter. Um, but, you know, Danny obviously has a plan. Uh, Celtics obviously have a plan. And, um, you know, if they feel like Vucevic is an option, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's obviously talented. He would obviously bring a lot to the team, and I think he would – help this team become a more dangerous team in the playoffs. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't know how much they're going to be willing to commit in, in the long term. That is one of the reasons, incidentally, that I think that Julius Randle makes a little bit more sense. I think you could go to Randle, like I was saying with Rozier, I think you might be able to go to Randle and say, hey, you know, do you want two years really, really well paid? You'll be able to start. You know, you'll be sort of the focus of our bigs. You'll have this opportunity to really prove yourself, and then you can get back out there with a lot of money in your pocket and also, you know, a chance to make more. Something like that would make a little bit more sense to me than committing four years to, you know, a guy with a lot of defensive question marks like Lucevic. Yeah, I, I wonder, just kind of looking at that grouping, especially after what you said, you know, the, all those guys I mentioned really require some sort of a, a hefty commitment. Maybe it's years, maybe it's money on the short term, like you said with Randall. So when you say go out and get a serviceable starter – and because obviously you need someone to start the year, it's not going to be, you know, Bob over there. Who, uh, <laughs> you, who do you have in mind? You know, who who are the available free agents that you say this guy would be a good fit, and he's he's not going to hamstring you in any way? It's a really good question because my answer would have been, well, just keep Baines. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, I think that my my guess is that that's not what they're thinking. My guess is that they're thinking like, let's you know, let's 
make a you know sort of a bigger commitment. But I mean, although if Bates, you know, you if Bates like a, does get waived by Phoenix, could he come back? I don't actually know the cap machinations of that. Like, I don't know if that would be allowed. Like, they just traded. I'm guessing there would have to be like a waiting period. There'd have to be a waiting uh, period for sure. I also yeah. don't think he'd want um, to. He'd want to go to a, a team that he believes is a contender. But I'm just, I don't yeah, know, I'm and, throwing and a team it out that there. Might not trade him when he opts in, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, so I, I mean, obviously, I think I think he would have made some sense. I mean, I don't know, like a Dwayne Dedman, maybe you know, guys like that, um, just sort of guys who can play, guys who are fairly unspectacular. Um, a bunch of people have said it now. I don't know who said it first, but um, you know, center is kind of becoming the mercenary position in the NBA, um, where. You know, for the most part, you're not building around that guy. Obviously, you do if you have Joel Embiid, um, you know, guys like that. But for the most part, um, you know, these are guys that you that you sort of bring in to complement your other guys and to sort of, you know, defend and grab rebounds. So that's where I would, you know, that's that's how I would spend that money if I was the Celtics. But you know, I think I think them trading Baines does sort of suggest something. I think that that probably means that they're going to take a swing of some kind, whether. You know, whether it's long-term money, whether it's short-term, big money, whatever it is, it does kind of seem like they're gearing up for something along those lines. So you put out all sorts of roster-building content on uh, Mass Live, obviously. You and, as you said, John Corrales, you guys do that all the time. And uh, Ainge, he still believes in this program. We have a very attractive franchise to play for, and there's a lot of people that will be dying to come play, play here. We've gotten to some of the specifics of this, and we've danced around other elements of it, but without sitting there with a the calculator, I know you don't have that handy, and, and so much is fresh after freeing up more space in the wake of trades, but how do you think the Celtics should spend their available cap space? You know, you're, you're Danny Ainge, you're Mike Zarin, and, and again, you don't need to get to the dollar, but just in, in general, what is your approach with what exists right now, the the core that Grosbeck mentioned earlier and, you know, what you have at your disposal? Yeah, so, I mean, everything that I would do if I were the Celtics right now would just be, like, what complements Tatum? Like, I think you, this this season, the whole, the whole thing is how good can this guy be? Like, is he going to be Paul George? Like, is he going to be, like, a superstar, small forward who – you know, all NBA second team, all NBA first team. Is that going to be this guy or is, you know, or is he going to be like a, like a Tobias Harris who's, who's very good, very solid, you know, might make a couple of all-star teams. Like is, is, where is Tatum going to be? Like, and I think this is the year you sort of establish that. And to do that, I think that you put pieces around him and, and, and Jalen Brown, you know, a similar thing where like, you know, see what he is, see what you've got in him. That, that would be what I would do with all these guys. I mean, I would take a, you know, I would take a hard look. I, I wrote about this on on Mass Live. I would I would at least kick the tires on uh, somebody like Boyan Bogdanovich. I think that his floor spacing would be really nice next to those guys. He wouldn't be somebody who takes up a lot of possessions um, if you don't need him to, um, but he can if you do need him to. Um, and, and I think that you know, obviously there would he, he's another wing. You know who who knows what's going to happen with Gordon Hayward? Who knows how good he's going to be this year? Um, he might be very, very good. He might be just basically what he was last year. Um, so somebody like Bogdanovich, I think, would be intriguing. Um, you know, I, I wrote about Randall as well. Um, you know, he was on, on sort of my list of guys who, I mean, not only is he a fit positionally, he's also kind of a fit on the timeline. Like, he's still a young guy. He's, um, you know, he's, he's obviously very mobile. Um, he can do a lot of things. And, you know, you kind of hope that he will be able to continue to improve as a shooter. Um, shot like 34% from three last year. Um so, I mean, you know, those, those would be two guys that I, I would take a look at. I, and I think, obviously, you know, you really have to figure out the point guard situation. I think Marcus Smart can be your starting point guard if that's the way you want to go. Um, but, you know, you better be sure because, um, you know, you still have the restricted rights to Terry. So I, I think that my priority would be picking up if, – if I were Danny Ainge, my priority would be picking up, like, good players on high-money short-term deals um, just to keep my flexibility – and with those guys, it would be guys that I think complement um, Tatum and Brown and, and, and would give me a chance to build around them and, and understand how realistic building around them really is. Hindsight is uh, everything, and, and we're in the early stages of it with regard to AD. I mentioned we couldn't touch on that trade last week. Shipped to the Lakers for a haul of young talent, mostly future picks. Just, a, a again, a, a, 
a treasure chest that continues to get better even in the wake of draft night. David Griffin was just such the perfect hire over there. The Celts were never going to match a deal like that, should not have, by the way, and reportedly weren't willing to part with Tatum, at least not Tatum and the Memphis pick in the same deal, but mostly Tatum, I think, and I never thought he was going to, and I didn't think that Ainge was going to go all in and uh, you know, kind of got beaten up along the way about that, but sure enough, he didn't. So... Everyone is now fawning over L.A., you know, odds makers and all that. I'm personally not sold on them, at least as currently constituted. I don't think LeBron, an aging LeBron, who missed a lot of time to injury last year, maybe that will prove to be a good thing for him. A.D., who is always injury-prone, elite player when he's on, but when he's off, he's invisible. Kyle Kuzma, who's, you know, obviously a good player, but he's still compared to those two, a depth piece, and a bunch of crap beyond that, I, I don't believe that that crew is is a title favorite right now, even with the Warriors dead for a year. I know the league is, is wide open. I just, I don't, in this moment, see it. Will they get a third guy like Kyrie, like Kemba Walker, somebody else? Well, that changes things. But right now, what do you make of the short-term future in, in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that as constructed that there are a lot of real problems, but I think that they can fill a lot of those problems. If I were them, I would not go after the max guy. Um, I would just, I would try to fill out this roster with depth, with guys who can defend, with guys who can shoot. I liked what they did in the draft. They had a second round pick that they used on Talon Horton Tucker out of Iowa State. I honestly think that guy's going to come in and be able to contribute right away, probably off the bench. Um, He's a, you know, just a really, really good defender. Um, I, I just think that at this point, you have enough You have enough star talent. Like, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, I don't think you need to go out and overpay for Kemba Walker when you could bring in, you know, guys who can shoot, guys who can defend, guys who space the floor around those two, like, super, superstars that you already have in place. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what I would do. I, and, but to your point, I mean, I think if – I mean, they might be the second-best team in Los Angeles if Kawhi hmm. goes – the, the Clippers, and especially if you know if the Clippers Horford end up getting too. another guy like a Horford, like those. Horford, by the way, Woj reports teams. is is an option for the Pelicans as well right now. So that who knows he his the market may be expanding. I mean this this off season is just chaos, <laughs> man. It really like, is <laughs> just absurd. Um, yeah, so I mean, but I think you know that that Lakers team they they've got some holes. They've got enough star talent now. I would just try to fill the holes. Like, you've got all this – you know, people talk about how they don't have enough cap space, but they don't have enough cap space for a max guy. They have enough cap space to go out and build this team into a, a, a legit contender, into a team that, you know, could win a championship, especially in a down year with the Warriors. Um, you know, they, they could do it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what – we'll see what Rob Polinka manages to pull off. Um, but, you know, they – they definitely have options, and I I will be fascinated to see what direction they go. After all the chaos, if they're still able to build a a championship roster after all of the stuff that they went through this year, honestly, that'll just be genuinely really impressive, you know, just given all the dysfunction and, and everything that we learned once the season came to a close. But We can wrap with this uh, just for the sake of devil's advocate because I gave my opinion. Do you think the C's should have made the gamble for Davis? You know, given that it is a, a it's a star-driven league historically, you need stars to win. Aside from that Pistons team, and right now Boston does not have any. The Raptors gambled on Kawhi Leonard; it worked out. He may leave, but Toronto still enjoyed its first title parade. What do you think? No, absolutely not. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I think. Davis made it entirely too clear that he planned to leave for the Celtics to make a move like that, especially given everything they would have to give up. I'm certainly not the first one to make this point, but like imagine losing Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum and Anthony Davis in like the course of like a calendar year. Right. Like that is just, just a devastating blow for a franchise. You can't, I mean, that's the kind of blow that sets you back for like a decade. And you know, the Celtics team, has you know wick talked about it in the in that clip like there's still so much promise on this team and it, it doesn't feel like it for celtics fans because it feels like the sky is falling Kyrie's out the door horford's probably out the door baines is gone like all these guys who were contributors last year and who were stars last year are gone feels like the sky is falling but the, the team is still really promising and they still have tons of young talent and the memphis pick and i mean look there's no guarantee that if the celtics went completely all in like if the celtics offered tatum brown and the memphis pick the Pelicans probably take that deal, but 
maybe the Lakers like throw in more stuff. Like the, the Lakers put so much on the table. It would have been difficult for the Celtics to match that deal, even if they offered literally everything. So, and I mean, if you offer everything, then you have Anthony Davis and Terry, like that's, hmm. that's not a championship team. That's not the Raptors. The Raptors were able to do that because they had a really good team in place, you know, around DeRozan so that when they traded DeRozan for a much better player, that team was then really good. The Celtics wouldn't have had that same setup. It, it just wasn't, it's not a one-to-one ratio, no matter how much people want to make it that way. So no, I'm, so I'm right there with you. I, I think that trading for Davis would have been a, a pretty major mistake given that he wasn't willing to, not only was he not willing to commit, he wouldn't even say that he would consider committing. Like that dude did not want to be in Boston and he made that abundantly clear. So does dad, even going back to the yeah. trade deadline, you know, it's, it's been out there for a long time. I said I was going to end, but I just saw this headline that obviously you have not seen because we're talking, but um, it's, it, it's entertaining. Just speaks to how, how stupid this off season is already. And that we're, we're still, it's never, I will contend. I don't think you would disagree. We have never had an NBA offseason that has been this crazy ahead of free agency. You know, I know people like oh, to no. look back at, at the LeBron and the decision and waiting for that. Or it, But but that was like free agency was underway. We have never – the amount of of just ridiculousness, of silliness that has existed even ahead of the draft and then where we are right now still, like you said, nine, ten days out from free agency is, is ridiculous. So Ian Bagley – in uh, New York, wrote that some people around Kawhi Leonard still see New York as a potential destination for the finals MVP. I bring that up not to discuss Kawhi, but just to spin it back to Kyrie quickly. If the Brooklyn thing, and I don't know, I didn't read the article, I don't know if he's, I think he's talking about the Knicks and, and not New York on the whole. If the Brooklyn thing is true, that they wouldn't want Kyrie alone if that ends up being the reality and I know Durant is reportedly still thinking about the Nets and Knicks and and not just automatically opting in and there's been talk of the sign and trade with Golden State so there's a zillion things on the table but would that be a logical fit Kyrie goes to the Knicks Kawhi goes to the Knicks those guys are together Nets are out of the equation and and he ends up Kyrie ends up punting from one to the other I mean that that team would be really good I mean like it's interesting to think about it in terms of like the Cavaliers teams, uh, just like the ways that Kawhi, you know, is, is similar and differs from LeBron. Like he's, he's similar to LeBron in in that he's, you know, very strong. And obviously he's a, you know, a versatile three who, you know, at LeBron's peak, obviously he he defended really well. And um, you know, they're different in in terms of their offensive styles for sure. Um, But it would be really interesting to see Kyrie going back to being, you know, the number two guy, um, you know, the, the, man, that would be an interesting fit. I, I think they'd be really good. Uh, I, I mean, I think I, honestly, I think any team that gets Kawhi at this point is just going to be really, really good. And Kyrie is, you know, he, I think he would fill in some gaps just in terms of, you know, being a guy who could go get a bucket if the team was really focusing on Kawhi. I mean, I think those two would would pair up really nicely that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely intriguing. If I were if I were Kawhi, I would still be pretty focused on either the Clippers, Clippers or the Raptors. I mean, Raptors just won a title. Can't really argue with that. And I right. think the, the, Clip, the Clippers have the pieces to build something really good around him. And I do think that a lot of this New York stuff, some of these guys would be taking a major gamble by going to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what they want. Um, but for, for a guy like Kawhi, it feels like the other options are good enough that that would be a, that would be a difficult sell. But, yeah, I mean, if Kawhi and Kyrie paired up, I think they'd be I think they'd be a really talented duo and you know they would definitely be like a, a contender in the Eastern Conference that's for sure. I'm just looking forward to after all this Kawhi goes back to Toronto, Durant opts in, Clay resigns with Golden <laughs> State. You know, all, the, all these guys just wind up staying put. That uh that would be something. But Tom Westerholm from uh, Mass Live, I know you're incredibly busy obviously in the wake of the draft and free agency coming, so I appreciate you giving me some time here and uh this was good man, a lot of good insight. Of course man, anytime. This is what I mean. This is why the show came out on a Friday, not wait until Sunday, because there are just there are constantly push notifications all the time. It's just another rumor, another thing that you want to get into and you want to attempt to dissect. But we have gone on too long, as we tend to do. This time of year, it gets just a little silly. Show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash CelticsBeat. Use the promo code CLNS50. Get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Show is also brought to you in part by Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics 
to get your first refill pack for free. Thanks again to Tom, my producer Evan. Thanks to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. This is the silly season. Keep following along at Adam M. Kaufman. Turn those alerts on as so many of you guys are are insane enough to do, and we'll keep uh, just getting all that info out there for you and hopefully get a little more clarity because, again, free agency is, is coming. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a midweek show next week because this is just – it is all bananas, and it does not stop. You can find us on iTunes. Subscribe on Celtics Beat. You can get us on uh, Stitcher and, and everywhere else as well. And, of course, I tweet out the shows. All right. Get us out of here, Gino. I hope we see you again soon. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.